Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peter Baudouet. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years working in the technology industry. So now I'm going to hand the microphone over to Peter as he has an interview with Andrew Brown. Take it away, Peter. Thanks, Al. As mentioned, my name is Peter Baudouin, and I'll be your host of today's Rainforest podcast. Today's guest is Andrew Brown, who wears many hats. Andrew, you're an entrepreneur. You also work at the Thin Air Labs. But today we'll be talking about your role with the Calgary Innovation Coalition, where you're the program director at the CIC. So welcome, Andrew. Thanks, Pete. Happy to be here. So can you tell us a bit about what, what does the CIC do and how does it work into the ecosystem? Yeah, so the CIC's got a bit of a, an interesting history. It was actually formed uh, about three or four years ago in a, in a response, sorry, to um, the Alberta Innovates uh, Regional Innovation Network Program. Um, and they were looking for a little bit more collaborative approach to how do we uh, deploy capital into the ecosystem and support it in a way uh, that, that works for everyone that can involve lots of different perspectives uh, from people that are working with innovation-based entrepreneurs in Alberta. So when that um, happened, there was about eight organizations that came to the table and jointly proposed a, uh, a project to the, the RIN program. And then that was approved. And then since then, it's grown from eight organizations to 18 when I took over the role about a year and a half ago. And we're currently at 37 support organizations. And these are um, groups that are working with entrepreneurs actively um, in the quote unquote innovation sector. Uh, so that spans a, a large uh, kind of scope of different, uh, different types of ventures. Um, but my mandate for that is really, are you working with entrepreneurs? Are you helping support um, entrepreneurs that have high growth potential in the ecosystem? And if so, uh, we want to invite you to be a part of this, uh, this member and uh, organization, this coalition, um, so that we can work together to support these types of entrepreneurs and work together towards a common goal. Um, and really, the, the reason for that is, uh, is otherwise you have a bunch of activity and lots of great stuff happening, but all in silo and you don't have that uh, easy flow as an entrepreneur from one service or resource to another uh, really quickly. Obviously, speed is, is the most important thing for, for those types of entrepreneurs. So my role is really what I would call herding, herding cats okay, as yeah. organizations, uh, getting everyone uh, uh, communicating with each other, knowing who each other are so they can make those really quick uh, introductions or connections with entrepreneurs they're working with, and also coordinating um, efforts towards programming that we think will support uh, our growth as an ecosystem. So that's uh, a really quick summary. Obviously, it gets a little bit deeper, but uh, maybe a good place to start. Yeah, so it's interesting because you have a role, you know, previous role as an entrepreneur as well as now sort of working within the Calgary Innovation Coalition. So, it's you know, and, and I think there's some great infrastructure there because when you say as we went from 18 organizations over to 37, and I, and I sit, I, I'm a member of the Calgary Innovation Coalition. So full, that's Full disclosure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, full disclosure. But, but a question, I guess, is when you went from entrepreneur to the other side, right? So 
I mean, what was your biggest learning about the ecosystem? Because I, you know, when you sort of step on the other side, you go, goodness, there's a lot of infrastructure here. And what, what was sort of one of your, what did you see that you didn't expect? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I've always, even as I was an entrepreneur, I always did some work in the ecosystem. I was a business development advisor for other startups. I was doing some program development for Startup Calgary. I was on the board of Startup Calgary when they were acquired by uh, Calgary Economic Development. So I've seen a lot of that kind of stuff. I think with this role in particular, you know, you kind of have this assumption that everything is really well orchestrated and there's lots of communication going on behind the scenes. And as an entrepreneur, that's all you really need to know um, is that if I talk to this person, I'm kind of talking to the ecosystem as a whole. And I think my biggest surprise was how inaccurate that that was and how much um, effort and coordination it actually takes to make that a reality. Um, as an entrepreneur, I always thought, um, you know, if I talk to one person um, as a representative of the innovation ecosystem, I would hope that they can make those connections for me so that I don't have to do the hard work of trying to figure out who's who and what resource I need when and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but that takes a lot of work. It takes, um, you know, governance and um, relationships between different organizations and sometimes a platform like the CIC to bring that all together. Um, so I think that that was probably my biggest uh, my biggest surprise when I came in. Um, and the other thing is uh, around data collection, how hard it is to really understand what's happening in the ecosystem. Um, so we had an idea of how many startups existed and how many were active and what stages they were at, but we didn't really know in detail. And that made it really hard for us to communicate to our stakeholders and, and funders with, uh, with different government groups and agency and economic development agencies. Um, and so when I came in, that was that became a priority for, for me and my, my role with the CIC was to figure out a way to, um, you know, expand the group to include everyone that should be at the table. So that includes multiple different uh, um you know, sockets of the ecosystem, investment community, the entrepreneurial community, government support organizations, and everything in between, making sure that everyone's at the table so we have right, the right perspectives. Um, but then we can actually work together meaningfully with some kind of governance that allows us to do that. Um, you know, I think from from that perspective, um, it's it's difficult. It's it's agile. It's nimble, but um, you do need a little bit of structure to to allow for those types of things to happen. And uh, I think that that was probably my biggest surprise coming into the to the CIC in my role. Yeah, it's interesting where you talk about you know the, putting a little bit of structure in it. I mean, the issue is is when you have so many so many organizations, how do you actually put structure, et cetera? And you have different. Even though you're looking at technology organizations, you have married many different facets, industry segments, et cetera. So, I mean, as as you guys are organized, you have, as you said, 38 organizations or 37 organizations sitting around the table. Do you work on a given theme or area, or is it just about innovation in general? How do you sort of organize? Um, I, I'd say the theme, I mean, the theme should be centered around the entrepreneur, right? That's what we're all here to do. We're all here to support uh, high growth potential startups and really the entrepreneurs are the drivers of those. So I always think about it, um, you know, this is a bit of a personal perspective, but I think entrepreneurs are are huge catalysts for positive impact or negative sometimes, but positive impact in, in our world and the ventures they build and the, the businesses that they build are the, the, the vessel for that. And so the theme, and I think it's easy to lose track of that when there's a lot of different groups at the table and different governance layers and everyone operates differently and has different mandates, it can be easy to get distracted from that. I, I always try to bring the theme of our discussions and the strategy of what we're trying to do back to the perspective of the entrepreneur. How can we make it easier for entrepreneurs and founders to, to build amazing companies quickly? 
um, and get the resources they need along the way to do that. So that's kind of the central theme. Um, but one of the things that I came in and, and worked on uh, really over the last year or so was setting um, a benchmark of that theme. How many entrepreneurs should we be able to support given the population of the region and, and our strengths in certain sectors and areas? Um, and what does that equate to on the other side? So if you support this many entrepreneurs, how many ventures can you expect to create? And then what kind of impact will those ventures have on the local economy, uh, the national economy, and, uh, and the entrepreneurs that are working within it? And so we spent some time uh, really looking deeply into that, that question of, of how do we compare to other innovation or tech hubs around the world? Um, where are we at now? And, and where should we be? And then what are the gaps that exist that we have to fill in order to get there? And so that's really what, what we've... Uh, so let's explore that a bit. Because I guess is, I mean, platforms, uh, Platform Calgary had identified a strategy to grow the number of startups from 200, I guess when that benchmark was taken, but a year and a half ago, to over 1,000 by 2030. That's the target. So can you explain that a little bit? Because obviously the Calgary Innovation Coalition is part of that community. So what what... What does that mean to you, those targets? Yeah, so, so those, those numbers were done, uh, you know, kind of come up with, with a number of different organizations. So Platform Calgary was involved in, in some of that strategic direction. Um, Brad Zumwalt and Zinc Ventures was a part of that as well. The A100 was, was also a part of um, really breaking down the numbers and understanding it and then coming up with a strategy around that. So um, that's kind of where that came from. And then based on that kind of initial assessment of, you know, all of these um, researchers and people that research kind of the innovation ecosystem and what has to happen within it in order for it to grow. When does it become self-sustainable? When does it become um, like hockey, hockey stick style growth yeah. and all of those things? And I think um, there's different stages of ecosystem development. I think for in Calgary and Alberta, for a long time, we were kind of in the infant stage of lots of activity going on, lots of people that were passionate about this, but needed a little bit more structure and organization around how to make that happen. That starts, in my opinion, with metrics. Um, how many companies are actually out there that we would define this way? Um, what does a similar size region that's doing really well in this sector look like? And how many startups are there? And then how do we bridge the gap between where we are and, and where we need to get to? And so this thousand startup number you know, it's obviously not, it's a, it's a nice round number for a reason, right? It's an aspirational number. It's a, a hairy, audacious goal that we're going for over the next 10 years. Um, and it probably doesn't look linear, right? It probably looks more like uh, lots of stuff happening. And then all of a sudden there's, there's kind of this uh, exponential compound growth. Um, and so how do you get to that point where it just starts growing on top of each other? And, and really that to me comes down to building, having a number of success stories that start spinning out of themselves um, hire a bunch of people, really smart people, recruit them from all over the world. Those people stay there for some time and then oftentimes will go off and, and start their own ventures and do the same thing all over again. Um, and, and, you know, if you look at other regions around the world, Toronto is a really um, easy to compare because it's a Canadian uh, hub as well. But 10 years ago, it looked very different than where it is now. Um, it was probably around a tipping point that might be similar to where what we're trying to get to in Calgary at that time. And now they're, they're in this uh, crazy exponential growth curve that's probably going to be sustainable for a long time because it just feeds off each other. It's a, it's a really positive feedback loop. Um, so, you know, the first step is kind of benchmarking it. And we did an assessment. So Platform Calgary, Calgary Economic Development and our colleagues up in Edmonton uh, worked with a partner uh, called Startup Genome. And they do uh, this type of research and analytics uh, for ecosystems around the world. So that gave us a really nice benchmark against similar size regions, some regions that had similar challenges um, in Calgary, um, 
you know, specific to one or two um, large sectors, uh, energy, agriculture, and Calgary maybe, um, and maybe highly regulated industries. So comparable would be uh, Frankfurt. Um, Helsinki was kind of in a similar position. Fra- Frankfurt with their uh, financial sector. Um, and how do, how do you leverage that for to spark innovation? And so it gave us all of these different uh, places that we could look at and say, you know, this is where they were five years ago. This is where they are now. And they're on this really nice trajectory uh, for where they're going to be in five years from now. What were the catalysts and the key things that happened five years ago that allowed that to happen? And so that that process was, I think, really important for, for the Calgary ecosystem. And as soon as we, we got some of those numbers back, we looked at them, we talked about them internally uh, with my board that, that I report to, with a number of different people throughout the ecosystem. And then we took a bold step and announced it publicly to all of our members and anyone else that wanted to listen. And that was a really important step that happened uh, about November last year. Um, and all of a sudden we had everyone leaning in and really understanding what we meant by um, you know, growth, uh, what we meant by where we were now and what a thousand startups would actually do and what kind of impact it would actually have on the ecosystem. And then what was preventing us from getting there? So that startup genome report was a really important um, piece for us to say, um, you know, here are some of the gaps and the barriers. We'll probably dig into this as we go through the conversation here. Um, that's preventing you from growing. And if you were to get to a thousand startups, here's how you would compare to other hubs around the world. And this is the impact you can expect on the regional level in terms of jobs that are created through through the growth of these ventures, GDP contribution based on the size of those ventures, and and all of those things that are really important to be able to communicate to the general public, to institutions that are trying to create the talent to support these ventures, and to government groups that are that are funding uh, ecosystem development initiatives like the CIC. No, and it was good because I remember when Terry Rock, you know, I was there at one of the presentations when he said the thousand companies and started explaining why it starts to lead to the North Star. Okay, we understand where we're trying to go. We understand what we need to do to support it. So it's it's a great way to have everyone understanding the ambition, right? So I do remember, and as well at that meeting, there was the discussion about the genome report, right? Or the startup genome report. So again, it would benchmark the worldwide ecosystem, compared Calgary, et cetera. And I remember that, you know, they were looking at three priority focus areas that they said, if you want to succeed to get to that next stage of evolution, you know, like we're, we're at the beginning stages, but if you want to move forward, what were the three, the things you needed to do? And they said, grow the number of startups, Um, increase the early stage funding and increase the quality of those startups, right? That was the three big things. So have we made progress, you know, or, or, and, and it's kind of unfair to ask in the last eight months, right? Because that's, you know, it's, it's exceptional times. But if we say over the last, let's say 24 months, have we been successful in building those pieces um, that we need to do to succeed? Yeah, it's, it's a, a great question. I'm always optimistic. I think we've made progress. Sometimes it's not always visible visible on the front end. Um, we will have another report coming out from Startup Genome that's going to assess the the delta between, uh, I guess, year over year from the first time that we did the report. Of course, lots changed in the last six to eight months, so uh, that has to be factored in as well. But I think that we've made progress in a couple. I would say in all three of those areas, um, and that's with like the supportive programs like Junction as a pre accelerator program. CDL coming in and really setting the, um, sorry, Creative Destruction Lab out of the university, setting a benchmark of um, where companies need to be in order to be investment ready um, at that really global scale. Um, and so those are things that, you know, if you if you show and expose entrepreneurs to early, they figure it out really quick. But if you kind of keep it in a silo and you say, no, 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 all you need to do is build a company within the borders of our province or our city even, 
um, they don't they don't get that exposure, and then they don't really know what they're up against in terms of competing well, for global capital. scaling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you, you know, Calgary is competing globally with all of these what 150 similar size cities around the world. Everyone's going for this innovation uh, sweepstakes, right? They all want the innovation to happen there. They want commercialization to happen in, in their respective cities. So we can't be looking at this from like a, we're competing with other regions throughout Canada. We're really competing uh, on the global scale with everyone. And so, um, you know, I think in terms of specifically volume of startups, I'm a firm believer that the earlier in life you can expose, let's say, students to the entrepreneurial ecosystem, the energy that comes with that, the more often they're going to start that and potentially even choose that as a career choice right out of school. Um, so I think that that's kind of a, an area of focus is just creating more entrepreneurial activity within the universities. But I would even say further back in terms of high school, just giving exposure to students that are that are um, young right now. They're the next generation of entrepreneurs that are going to really contribute to the growth of our ecosystem. So we have to be thinking about them early. But uh, I would say, you know, from our original benchmark, maybe around 220 ventures that we kind of were tracking um, that we had very specific um, guidelines. It doesn't capture all of them, but it captures enough that we can kind of see the type of startup that we're, we're trying to analyze. And, and ex um, so you extrapolate that a little bit, you get a better idea of what else exists. But we're probably closer to 300 now. So I'd say volume is, is improving. Quality is improving through the support of these programs that these entrepreneurs are going through, bringing in people outside of the region um, on a global scale that can speak to uh, what benchmark they should be at as a as an entrepreneur before you go raise your first round of funding, or if you're going to go in to raise a, uh, a round, what you can expect from uh, investors around the world. Um, and then the capital side is interesting. I think we've made progress, but still more to do. If you think about the economics of a thousand active startups in the ecosystem, um, I'm not going to do the quick math here, but I've done this before. You're looking at about half a billion dollars worth of investment capital that has to go into those startups to support them. Um, where does that come from? Well, yeah, Calgary, you know, there's a lot of unlocked capital here that um, is looking for these types of opportunities, but need to be enabled or need to, to also be exposed to what's out there so that they can start deploying it. Um, things like the startup TNT program out of, out of Edmonton, I'm working with, uh, with Zach up there to try to expand that into Calgary. Um, CDL, which brings a bunch of very high net worth individuals into one room shows them a bunch of ventures and there's kind of co-investment that goes alongside each other so that um, investors that don't necessarily have experience in these type of investments can do it with someone that they're holding their hand with. Um, so those types of things are really important. I think we have a lot more work to do, but I think we've made some progress, at least uh, as a starting point. Um, and we can build and as a foundation that we can build on top of. Yeah. So I just wanted to explore that a bit because I think the yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at the ecosystem when I see the number of, it seems, the number of new startups, you will get the benchmarking data, right? That That's coming out. We see an increase in the quality of those startups. You know, anecdotally, you see, oh, no, this company's gotten funded. There, there's some. It's starting, right? But when I look at the early stage funding, I, I really see at this point, there's a lot of government money at the moment, and and which is needed at this stage, given one, COVID, first of all. But second, at our early stage of development, I mean, even, you know, the federal, the provincial, even the city, the city has an investment fund, which is, is you know, being deployed and there's some success there. And it was interesting, even yesterday, and, and the university announced a seed fund for health, right? So everyone's moving in that direction. But at this point, it's a lot of public money and government money. So I guess the question is, when will we know, right, that we've got, an, you said, a half a billion dollars? It's like, what are the next sort of signposts where we go, well, maybe we should have, 
you know, 10 private VCs funds set up. Maybe we should have an accelerator with seed funding attached. I mean, you know, as we look forward, what, what are the next two or three targets we've got to achieve? That's a great question. I think, you know, you mentioned I wear a couple different hats. So one of them is with Thin Air Labs. And what we're trying to do is raise a significant uh, capital round or, or um, fund to invest in, we'll say, Alberta-based startups or startups that we can attract to Alberta through investment. Um, so we're targeting $100 million. That's that's not a feat that I don't think any VC um, that's specific to tech ventures in Alberta has done that. It's an ambitious goal. Um, and we have a lot of work ahead of us to, to get there. But I think that those types of moves are are probably the next step that you're that you're looking at. Um, and multiple funds, not just one, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so this is the kind of thing that like we we've kind of set a good foundation. We got good um, programming around early entrepreneurial development to help people understand the strategy that goes into lean startup development and um, you know how to validate early ideas quickly so that you don't waste years and a bunch of money building something that no one wants. Um, getting them to investment ready faster. And that's really about incre increasing the quality of the startups, right? There's a chicken and egg thing though, right? You need the capital there and entrepreneurs are attracted to where they can get capital um, for their ventures. So you kind of have to have a little bit of both. And I think uh, for some time, the capital was kind of waiting on the sidelines. Like, yeah, we'll wait till we have better deal flow and, and more consistent deal flow in Alberta. And then we'll maybe put a, a boot on the ground there to, to look at that consistently. Um, and then you had a bunch of uh, founders that really didn't understand, you know, what stage they needed to get to to attract that type of capital. So it was chicken and egg. And I think what we're saying with with the work that we're doing at Thin Air is, let's let's you know set a stake in the ground and say we we are going to work on raising a hundred million dollar fund. It will be, be deployed in Alberta based ventures or or uh, ventures across Western Canada that we can attract and and use to strengthen the ecosystem here as well. And we want to support other groups that want to do the same thing. So you have. Groups like Harvest Builders coming out. You have the city that's participating in, in investment as well. You have UC to the university. Um, and I think everyone's starting to say, okay, there's there's something happening in Alberta. And everyone's kind of lining up on the sidelines ready to uh, to jump in. And uh, there needs to be a few catalytic events that happen. But I think what we're seeing now with with ventures that were invested in you know, a couple of years ago, I think about Athenian and Adipotics and Cement recently announcing significant capital raises. And I remember emailing a friend of mine. These are sort of those sparks they're starting, right? That's, you, you that's right. You can see that it's happening. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of thing that happens a few years ago and all of a sudden you have these headlines that come out, right? So the, the classic phrase in startup land is this is an overnight success 10 years in the making. So the stuff that, that we're working on a couple of years ago are now starting to pay off and I think that that's really important at this stage so that we can actually show the actual impact that that investment a few years ago can have on these types of companies. And of course, for every one of them, there was a bunch of companies that got investment that failed. Um, my, my previous venture was one of those, right? We raised some money, we built something, we had some good traction at one point, but it, it just didn't work the way that we expected it to. So, And that's not uncommon in this world. And that's why it's important to understand the economics from the investment side of of investment into these types of companies and how many you can expect to invest in, what kind of support you should offer alongside that investment to help um, in increase the chances the success. of success. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess looking at, I mean, so we, we've got the pieces in place starting with growing the number of startups, the early stage funding and the quality of those startups. Things are, are, are happening. I guess the big, you know, challenge this year is COVID. So I guess, you know, how has that set us back? I mean, what, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think there's a lot of talk about this. Startup Genome has, has dedicated a ton of resources to to trying to answer some of these questions and and providing a great platform for us to communicate with colleagues around the world that are 
also going through similar uh, struggles at different stages though, right? So a lot of uh, uh, ecosystems in Southeast Asia area that have kind of, you know, went through it a little bit earlier and started recovering a little bit earlier as well. And then providing us with some best practices in terms of policy um, that we need to do to make sure that we can um, really maintain the, the momentum that we have right now and then, excuse me, eventually um, continue to build on it. So I think right now the most important thing We've invested a bunch of time and energy and, and effort and coaching and mentoring into companies um, that uh, that are going to go through a hard time uh, or have, or maybe some of them are on the rebound now, but might be going through a hard time over the next so 12 months. So there's been extra resources put in to support them. Well, I'm thinking about even the, the time that was spent a couple of years ago, and they're just at the point of maybe going to raise a significant amount of funding, and, and they still might not have the amount of revenue they need to maintain, like sustain themselves. And so these that's the real challenge is you have this big pool of, of potentially great companies that are just about to grow up. And, uh, and then you basically have this, uh, this world-changing event that happens that, that flips it all on its head. And so, you know, in my experience, some of the companies that were invested in already through thin air have done really well and were accelerated by that just because of the nature of their business model and, and the customer group that they were serving. Um, some have really struggled and had to st- take a step back and said, what does the world look like now and what do we think it's actually going to look like in 12 months? That's really hard to do. And so I think what we can do as an ecosystem is, is um, – provide specific support to help keep them alive for long enough, you know, to iterate themselves through that, which is really what um, really strong entrepreneurs are good at anyways. So give them a little bit more time somehow. Sometimes that's policy like, um, you know, government funding that can come in and and provide bridge funding for some of these companies. Sometimes it's zero interest loans through groups like BDC. Um, There's different forms that that can take. But I think the key is, is is out of the 300 startups that we have now active in, in Calgary, we need to keep as many of them going. Oftentimes, they're like under five people. We need to keep as many of them alive uh, for as long as possible so that we can see what the world looks like on the other side of this. And I think we're starting to get a glimpse. Everyone's got opinions on what that looks sure, like. Sure, that's, but, yeah. um, but I think we're starting, at least it's, you know, the dust has settled a little bit so that we can actually make somewhat longer term uh, decision making around planning um, projections for, for what we expect to be able to do um, as, a, as a venture, as a high growth venture. So when we look forward, I mean, obviously with the, the Calgary Innovation Coalition, you're dealing with all of the, the turbulence from COVID. You're growing. You went, as you said, from 18 to 37 organizations. So you think of the complexity there. What's happening over the next 12 months? Where, where do we got to be with the Calgary Innovation Coalition? That's a, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, it's tricky. My, my role is, is, to, is to kind of think about what that looks like, figure out the right governance model that we need to support it. Like, you know, and, and Pete, you've been involved in some of these um, conversations as well and, and some of the sessions that we run. So uh, for those that don't know, the CSE runs monthly member sessions where, where we just get everyone in a room. Now it's a virtual room, obviously. Um, and, uh, and actually one of the last events I did uh, in person was a CSE member event um, back in March. And, um, and, and, we, and we triage entrepreneurs we're working with. We talk about um, what's going on in the ecosystem and provide updates. But we also focus in on I'm working with this venture and they need help with this. And who in this room can help me with that? Um, it's really hard to do that when you go from 18 and, you know, to 37, you almost double the, the size of the, uh, the people in the room, um, and to do that effectively in a one and a half hour meeting. So I think that probably, um, it, it looks a little bit different. I think that we probably need to, um, separate some of those activities like community and updates. We create more of an asynchronous communication channel, um, so that people have the opportunity to, to continue to network with each other and get to know each other. 
but really um, carve out the focus on the entrepreneur side in, in a different way. Maybe that's showcasing uh, four or five startups in kind of a, a pitch style um, event of some sort or something like that. But I think that the format of how we do this needs to change a little bit. Um, and in order to do that, maybe the governance needs to change a little bit as well. I think in terms of members or other people that should be in the room, we're very well represented with um, with nonprofit groups and government supported organizations. Um, we have a few investment groups in the room, including Valhalla, uh, Private Capital, and a few others. I think we need to expand that side. Like really, if we're trying to support entrepreneurs, we need to understand what the metrics are that the investment side is looking for. Um, this is all about improving the quality, quote unquote, quality of startups. Um, so I think we need to expand that side and just get a little bit more perspective from the investment side. And I think that in all of this, you know, I've been able to kind of be a, a steward or a conduit between um, what it's like to be a, a founder in the ecosystem and be able to bring that perspective back. Um, my role, I'm not, I'm not active in my own venture right now. So I've, uh, you know, that's a little bit in my past. Um, my last one anyways, I'm sure there'll be another one in the future. But I think we also need to make sure that we're paying attention to what what is really like to be an entrepreneur on a regular on a more regular basis um so not just anecdotal uh, stories that we can all tell and say hey you know this founder i'm working with is struggling he or she is struggling with this can this thing i think we actually need to hear directly from them somehow and and i'm I'm still brainstorming on on how to do that effectively but i think that uh, to answer your question very directly we need to expand membership to um, other groups that are a part of the journey of a startup um on the investment side, but also on the entrepreneurial side and, and the founder side to make sure that we're, we're actually the voice here. of the entrepreneur yeah. coming out yeah. and it's represented. Right. And so that on a, on a board level, really happy to, uh, to announce, uh, to our member group last month, I think, um, that Bobby Rochette from virtual gurus joined our board, those type of things. I think we need to just, um, continue to, to work towards, um, so that we're actually hearing right from the, uh, right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. That's great. So I guess, so what should people do if they want to, uh, know more about CIC? Uh, great question. So we do have a website, calgaryinnovationcoalition.ca, recently updated with our, our most recent members. So you can take a look at uh, who's involved. And then we do have links that, that go out to all of their websites and, and resource pages so that if you are an entrepreneur. And yeah, okay. yeah. And if you're, yeah. So if you're an entrepreneur that's looking for support um, from any of those members, you can reach out to them directly. Um, uh, I also get a lot of direct outreach just to me. So check out my LinkedIn profile. I'm always happy to have a conversation, especially if you're uh, a founder, I love talking to uh, to awesome entrepreneurs working on cool ideas. Um, and if you're, you know, a, a quote unquote service provider, or you have something that you can bring to uh, to the ecosystem, I'm always always happy to chat with uh, with those groups as well to figure out how how the best way to connect them in is. Um, and I just happen to be in the middle of a bunch of stuff. So if you're not sure uh, how to get in touch with someone, um, probably at least, well, more likely directly connected, but uh, at the very least, one one degree of separation. So. Well, I can attest to that. Whenever I, I, I need to know this person or I'm looking for this, you know who to point me to. So that's, that's you know, well appreciated. To, and I try to do it in a timely manner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you do. You do. So on that, I mean, I did want to say thank you, Andrew, today for taking the time out to come and talk with us. So thank you. You're welcome. This has been great. And for those out there, thanks for listening. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage. Inspire. Educate. Together.
Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>